Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Mitzner. And I am Joseph Levenstein. Uh, also a host. <laughs> um, to our viewers from our or listeners from our last episode, because again, we haven't uh, uh, done a the visual version of this podcast yet, but we apologize for the uh, lack of conclusion to our last podcast and should hopefully be better at this one. What are you doing? There's tons of static on your end. Um, getting my laptop out of my laptop bag. That makes a weird noise. Um, anyway, just as a reminder to subscribe to this podcast, to listen to those sounds and many more. Um, if you don't subscribe, you won't hear my sounds. So everybody is now currently unsubscribing. But other than that, we will get started with sports. So... The NFL playoffs, the first round, the wild card round has concluded. Um, the second round starts up um, this Saturday night, this Saturday afternoon and Sunday. Um, um, most of the games were blowouts, kind of disappointing, except for the Dallas Cowboys-San Francisco 49ers game. So um, for those not familiar, the Cowboys were losing by uh, was it, was it by six or seven. No, I think they were down by seven. So they needed a touchdown and an extra point to tie, send the game to overtime. Um, and what happened was there was 14 seconds left in the game. Cowboys are out of timeouts. So they have no way to stop the clock other than um, to spike the ball um, after a completion if they don't either go out of bounds or score a touchdown. So those are the only three ways to stop a clock. Out of bounds, spike, or score the touchdown. So... Um, the Cowboys were down by six, sorry. So they could have won the game. So 14 seconds left, no timeouts, Cowboys down six. They run a play where they run the ball up the middle of the field. Um, that takes way too much time. He runs about 14, 15 yards, the quarterback. Then he tries to line up everybody in time, but the official was so far back, the one that had to spot the ball, it took them too long to get the ball respotted and to, for him to spike it, game was over. They lose because they ran a play. So horrible play call. Um, and everybody's like, well, if the officials had just spotted it, no. In life, you don't rely on other people and how fast that they do something when they're not literally on your team. The officials are not on the Cowboys. And, no. and run and wait for them to run. These are not, I mean, they're in shape, but they're not exactly running at the four 440s that these NFL players are running. To, to do it. What you need to do in this case is you either run a pass out of bounds or you try for the end zone. And and it was just it was just kind of heartbreaking to watch because it was like you idiots, you still had 14 seconds and you ruined them all on a run play and there was no way they were going to run in for a touchdown from 40 yards out. Um so literally the Niners celebrated, they move on, Cowboy season's over on that horrible play call. Wow. So they assumed that there would be enough time. Correct. So that they'd have one more shot at the end zone from a little bit closer. But And the fact that there's clear video footage and all these other things because the officials didn't call any of it or see any of it, it doesn't matter. No, the officials just didn't run in time. Didn't, it's not like they missed anything. The guy just took too long to spot the ball. Got and it. And it's not reviewable. How long it takes an official to run up there because it's a subjective thing. Well, the official should have done it in 12 seconds or he should have done it in 15 seconds. Like, it's pure subjective. You can't really review that because it's not a play how long it takes an official to run up there and spike the ball. I mean, set the ball. Because in order for the next, in order for the next play to begin, the official has to set the ball. It's part of the rules of the NFL. 
You can't just <laughs> literally go up to that spot, let everybody line up and just spike it without the official first placing it in the correct spot. Wow. Yeah. So, um, poor Michael Rosenhaus. Michael, if you're listening, sorry, my friend, but your Cowboys blew it. Um, wow. I, I mean, it wouldn't. It's not like even if they had gotten one more playoff, they were going to win the game. It wasn't like they were still that close. But just to not have that finality and to just have the clock run out on you um, and not get that last playoff, um, it's, it's, it's hard. If I was a Cowboys fan, I would be so pissed. But I'm not. So, um, just incredulous at the play call rather than anything else is there a like maximum amount of time that a official can take resetting the ball no i mean no and the officials right the officials try to do it as quick as possible but yeah on a completion or if you run the ball the clock keeps running until either somebody spikes it oh sorry the other one is an incomplete pass also stops the clock if you throw the ball out incomplete you stop the clock also so incomplete cast a pass out of bounds, um, a touchdown would have stopped the clock. But um, so the big mistake was doing a running play. Correct. Up the middle when you're forty yards away from the end zone. Got it. Jeez, that sucks. Sorry, Michael. Yeah. Anyway, moving on to our next topic. That was kind of the only real thing. The rest of the weekend was pretty blah. Uh, the games this weekend should be a lot better. Cincinnati at Tennessee, three thirty on Saturday. San Francisco at Green Bay from Lambeau Field, that could be amazing to watch just because it could be a ton of snow. It could be five degrees. If freaking Wisconsin in January is not where you want to be if you're a team that typically plays in San Francisco. Um, uh, LA Rams are playing Tampa. That should be a great game. And then Buffalo plays in Kansas City. So those are the four games, the better games, um, typically Sunday um, rather than Saturday. So. Were you watching the Dallas game? I was. Were you just sitting there with your like mouth wide open when this I'm happened? Like, I, I, I couldn't imagine that that was actually the play call, but they then said after the game it was. I assumed like the quarterback just literally made the wrong decision. I couldn't imagine somebody being stupid enough to actually call that play, and him rather than just seeing that there was nothing to do, just ran and hoped for the best. But no, that was actually the play call, which is unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I was – I mean, anybody who's a sports a, – more than a casual sports fan, but like I would just say, like somewhere between a fervent sports fan and a knowledgeable sports fan, was like, what are they doing? So, um, kind of nuts. Crazy. Anyway, going next, um, I need to change that, huh? That is strange. I thought I changed the rest of the sports things, um, but that's actually the only thing I actually have to talk about in sports. The other things we have on the agenda were from last week, so we'll move on to history because. A lot to happen this day, January 20th, 2022, in terms of anniversaries. So um, the first of which is it's the 80th anniversary of the Vonsay Conference. Um, for those unfamiliar, the Vonsay Conference was where uh, the Nazis met together in Vonsay, um, which is a, a city in Germany. Um, it has now since been turned into a Holocaust Memorial Museum. Um, they planned the final solution there. The whole idea, what are we going to do with all these Jews? They were debating, do we send them to Madagascar? Do we, um, by boat, do we keep just mowing them down like they were doing in Russia with bullets? So the idea of creating camps and gassing um, 6 million Jews 
um, planned it. Apparently, the whole meeting really only took about 90 minutes. Um, there is a very famous, I think it's an HBO movie. Um, um, I think it's called Wansay. I'm, I'm literally Googling it right now. Called, sorry, Conspiracy. I'm literally uh, 20 years old, but very well done. Stanley Tucci plays Adolf Eichmann. Um, Kenneth Branagh plays Reinhard Heydrich. Um, Colin Firth is in it. It's um, a lot of a lot of big actors. Uh, very well done. I highly encourage anybody not familiar with um, not familiar with the Von Say conference to rent Conspiracy and just see like how nonchalantly they were just talking about destruction of an entire population. Um, and, and that conference was literally 80 years ago today. So they were pursuing a utopian society. And I think it was less that it, it was still, remember, this is still in the middle of World War II, 1942. This well, is three years into a war. But the goal of it all was a utopian society and a revolutionary way of doing it. And this is what happens when people try to, like this is what happens, right? When people go for a utopia, it I mean, it's also nice Nazi ideology that Jews were lower than than rats. And uh... but that's the point. In order to create a utopian society, there has to be someone that's that's an undesirable that needs to be gotten rid of. That's just the nature of these utopian societies. I mean, In it order... doesn't have to be there. Yes. You could create a utopian society where everybody's treated equal. I mean, you have these idealistic versions of utopian societies. But in your utopian ha- society, there's no criminals, so you have to get rid of the criminals. Like right, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a race. No, the problem is when people try to put utopian society into practice, that's what happens. The yeah. idealistic, yeah, but the idealistic version of a utopian society doesn't have to have a scapegoat to have. It's just what happens when people try to create it, because there's not enough resources for everybody in a utopian society. When you want but, everybody to live in a utopia. Well, I mean, that's one part of it. It's not just a resource thing. Um, it's also just sort of uh, what the pursuit of that perfect image looks like. The other thing that's interesting is this happened, so my, you know, my math, but, uh, what is that, 1942? Correct. Um, so World War Three started in 39. World War Two. World War Three. I mean, sorry, hasn't War. started. <laughs> Shows what's on my mind. Uh, World War II started in 39, so this is three years into the war, or less than three years, let's say two and a bit years into the war, because in like September. Um, and and they're only now sitting down to talk about this. And so a lot of it, um, it's interesting because even with the occupation of Poland... Right, back in September of 39, they, they had the ghettos. It. Exactly. But they well, tolerated they had the ghettos, it. Right, and they tolerated... It was only once they went into Barbarossa, when they went into Russia... Well, do you know how many more Jews came under their control when yes. they got into Russia? Yeah, for sure. So, so that's that's also it's interesting the timing of it because you can almost and there's all these. I mean, at least I I always watch these discussions about like why did Hitler Hitler invade Russia and and what would have happened if Hitler hadn't invaded Russia? Well, one of the consequences is very possibly you wouldn't have necessarily had the final solution applied in '42. Um, it may have eventually come to it. They may have, you know at some point in the future, but um, it was really the occupation of Russia that then increased in the population, the Jewish population under German control and became something that they needed to talk about. Well, until you live in the 
the in a world where you can access alternate realities, unfortunately, this is the reality we live in. So, or if we had smart enough computers that you can run these actual simulations and see how it plays out. I can't imagine where you heard that idea from. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, moving on. Uh, the next thing um, today is actually the hundred and thirty fifth anniversary. I think yep, that is correct. Of the Navy signing the lease for Pearl Harbor. So. In 1887, Hawaii was basically its own island territory. Didn't have so America literally had to lease Pearl Harbor to have um, for its navy. Um, and then what's amazing is what a lot of people don't know or don't necessarily remember that when Pearl Harbor was attacked in 1941, it wasn't even a state yet. So it's an, it was an American territory at the time. It was. Hawaii and Alaska were not yet states, so it's interesting. As much as somebody say they attacked the United States, they, they attacked the U.S. territory, so yeah, they're by the United States, but it's not like they attacked the U.S. mainland. And I always re- wondered that if Japan or Germany had literally attacked the U.S. mainland pre-December 41, would that also have been enough action um, you think even more so to get them in the war even earlier? But um, it's just kind of... Uh, kind of crazy that how long that the u.s had pearl harbor um way before i think Hawaii was even a u.s territory so when the japanese invaded the philippines what was the philippines status to the united states yeah hawaii was made a territory until 1900 so that was 19 um when the japanese um It's a good question. I'm literally looking it up right now. Uh... That's how I'm looking at also. Because, so while you're looking at that, right, because then you can say already when the Japanese invaded the Philippines, it was sort of... That was after. That was after December 7th. The Uh, Philippines was right afterwards. Ah, December 8th. (laughs) The next day. Okay, fine. So there you go. Um... Yeah, the, it was. Yeah, the U.S. controlled it. But so, I mean, if they had hit the actual mainland of the United States, that would have definitely been a cause for. Yeah, but not not war. necessarily in like forty or thirty nine. Like if earlier before, like like a America was even less prepared, and B, you still had people who were strong isolationists that, like, if they had like hit it and then said like, "This isn't a declaration of war," we just aren't happy with your lend lease with Britain. Stop lend lease and we won't declare war on you. Um, back in 40, for example. Who, who knows? I mean, the isolationist policy in this country was so strong um, up until Pearl Harbor. So, Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I mean, you, you're saying that Pearl Harbor changed the isolationist perspective. Yeah. And so there was I mean, to... who knows how long without Pearl Harbor the U.S. would have waited to enter the war, if ever. I mean, it's that crazy. What if, by the way, the Japanese, I mean, there's only one if, sorry, but another interesting one is like, if the Japanese attack had been completely repelled and like five Americans were killed. Right, and nothing sank. And yeah, that would also be very interesting. Right. Um, it's because was it the number of soldiers that were killed and the number of ships that were destroyed that, um, because in reality, by the way, or U.S. would have done a measured counterstrike rather than actually right. declare war. Because, yeah, because, like, the, to some, I mean, not to some, I guess, to, in reality, it only took 
a few months for the United States Navy to, I think, fully recover from Pearl Harbor. Yeah, other than a, the loss of life. Yeah, they literally. There's a lot of um, conspiracy theories that there was a couple of aircraft carriers that were like um, on like um, patrol um, on like doing the exercises that day, and they weren't in the harbor. And that the U like that that the U.S. not only had an idea this was happening, but they almost they almost knew it was coming, and they almost let it happen in order to join the war. That is one conspiracy theory. Um, yeah, but, the logical counter theory to that is at that point in time it was obvious that the Japanese were not friends of the United States, even though there were like negotiations going on. But there was obviously this this fear of aggression. So. If I'm an admirable and I want to be prudent, then you know I don't want to keep my most valuable assets all concentrated in a piece of land. Um, then I'm just going to keep them out at sea as much as possible, anyways, even if it's a Sunday in December. Oh, I, I mean, I completely agree. Um, um, and remember, this country treated its Sundays a lot differently um, 80 years ago than it does today. So, um, right. in terms now, of how holy of a day it is, though. Like they would do a lot of those maybe on Saturdays, but um, yeah, but the military, I think, I mean, who knows? But the other part of it is so um, Hawaii. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I um, I was listening to a stand-up comedian, and he said how he was in Hawaii with his family, and he was saying to the locals, "Wow, it's so beautiful here!" And the locals look at him and they go, "Yeah, you guys took this from us." Um, and so his joke is like, "Dude, we took our land from everyone." Um, but, um, this but, you know, is, I mean, there was a great jib jab way back when, like, like to the tune of this land is your land. And it was like, this land is your land, but now it's our land. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, but it's, it's, I mean, that's the truth with Hawaii also, right? America just basically showed up there and started to well, call it a territory and then eventually a state of the United States, but it was very much not a part of the United States of America until recent history. Right. Well, in 1887, they started with the, uh, with the lease. So there you go. Um, moving it's funny on. also, by the way, just one other quick sure. thing that they didn't just take it over. Yeah. Um, it was already by 18, late 1880s that they tried to use diplomacy whenever possible. And, and Hawaii realized all the benefits it would have by, doing business and trade deals with the United States and the economy, like what did they care? It would help their protection by having the port at Pearl Harbor and it would bring more Americans and they could sell their supplies and goods to them. I mean, it was a very beneficial type of pairing. I wonder if it was worth giving up their freedom or their independence. Yeah, but I would make the argument that joining America, it's not like America wasn't this great independent country also it wasn't like they were then thrown under communism. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, this is also the 30th anniversary of air interflight 148. It was a French flight um, that crashed into the French mountains. So there literally, you look at every day, there's like a different plane crash or something. The reason why I bring this one up though, is because they crashed into the mountains and 87 of the 96 people on board were killed, but nine survived. So an airplane crashes into the mountains and nine people survive it. Like, you rarely hear of, like, a severe crash, like, into a mountain and people surviving it. So I couldn't find info on Wiki as to why these nine survived or why um, 
um, or why that didn't like just explode completely on takeoff. Um, it, it's just very strange to me that um, anybody survived this. So, um, I, I, again, other than Wikipedia, I hadn't um, seen it, but apparently there was a show May Day uh, entitled The Final Blow. It was featured on the ninth season of the show May Day. The Final Blow was the name of the episode. So, um, anyway, just found it very interesting that people were able to survive this. Um, and apparently, because the accident occurred at night under low cloud and with light snow, it took the response was slow, and journalists were the first to find the crash over four hours later. So, who knows how many more of them survived? But because it took people four hours to get to them, um, ended up dying. So, kind of um, insane. Um, it would be really interesting, I'm sure, in France. I'm sure they've been interviewed, but always fascinated me how some people survive something that horrific. I mean, I'm looking it's, at the pictures, and it's insane. I have no idea how anybody survived it. It's um, it's all pretty incredible, but <laughs> to simplify it, it's like when these metal tubes that we've designed to fling us in a controlled way through the sky at 600 miles an hour at 600 miles an hour slam into a mountain the people who designed it have designed it well enough that i mean i don't think it was going 600 miles an hour when it crashed but yeah but well they said it was going 400 miles an hour yeah i it must and... have it must have tr- it might, they must have landed on it didn't like literally just go into the side of the mountain they must have found some flat area on a mountain to land a little bit on because Anything going 400 miles an hour, if it crashes head on into something, the whole thing's going to explode. Um, so slams into the ground, fine, at you know, a few hundred miles an hour. Yeah, with people the survive. Yeah. But it's so that's, that's pretty amazing in itself. The fact that an, a corporation put all these other pieces in place and and I was just reading the Wikipedia article and they just talk about how like at the time A, they didn't have a available tech, there was this technology that was available, a ground proximity warning system, they didn't install that Yeah, and they were pressuring their pilots to fly faster um, at lower altitudes than they were supposed to and it sounds like the pilot made a serious basic mistake. Normally it's always multiple things that go wrong with these crashes because they these airplanes do have so many counter systems that one and one thing enough probably avoids it. Maybe even two when so many of these things go wrong. But every one of these are human. Yeah. Oh, it's almost always human error. Um, the technology typically works. Um, I would say probably it's a good question what the percentage is, but my guess is like 70% of Vulcan crashes is human error versus the technology. It's also funny that we talk about how safe flying is. And I guess even if there were only 365 accidents in the, you know, what I would say, 50 years of real broad flight, commercial flight. It's still the safest thing of of any form of transportation. Yeah. Yeah. But there have definitely been a lot of accidents. And And think about all this. I mean, it's still happening. This 5G thing. Nobody ran it like the FAA, like, didn't run, like, these 5G companies didn't run like half the stuff by the FAA. They were like rounding international flights. I mean, like literally people, like you're playing with people's lives here. Like um, whole thing is just nuts. Yeah. 
human the, laziness um, and lack of communication. Lack of communication is oh my, an interagency communication. It ends up being a failure so much because people are siloed off or they think they know better. Um, another part to it, and this is like a whole other topic that if, you know we can we can dive into it some other time. But it's it's like the critical thinking piece, mm-hmm. right? It's it's you know taking five to 15 minutes and thinking about like the, the consequences other effects, of exactly. a decision. Yeah. And not just how it affects your business, how it affects everything else too. Yeah. And, and I think that now, like it just seems that people don't do that and you see it in how information is absorbed and, and acted upon and how, you know, then that, that drive, then that, whether that's caused by polarization or drives polarization, but like you see that sort of throughout everything where someone just reads a headline of an article and they already reach a decision on, you know, whatever it is it's talking about without any thinking involved of, well, is this the right of truth and, you know, what actually happened and maybe there's more information being covered. And so the, that same decision process happens in the government and in corporations for these types of things. Um, and, and that, you know, and, and I think, I don't know, maybe that always was the case, but it's definitely very noticeable now. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely can get to more time on that on a different podcast, but we must move forward. Um, happy 92nd birthday to Buzz Aldrin, the last surviving crew member from the Apollo 11 mission first to land on the moon. Um, Buzz Aldrin was the second person ever to step on the moon. Um, kind of amazing that he's still here. He's still really with it. Um, the best is there's a video everybody I there to YouTube it where somebody like was like talking to him and like yelling at him that the na- that the moon landing was a fake and he just like punched him in the face. Literally, he's like <laughs> this is like a year ago. He's like 91 years old and he just punched him in the face. And I don't think anything happened. It's kind of amazing. So Buzz Aldrin, uh, kicking ass. Apparently. Um, a lot was like made to deal with that he may not be the easiest person to deal with. Um, but um, I would love to meet him. He sounds like a very cool guy. And um, one of a very, I mean, I think there's only like four or five with many astronauts alive that have ever stepped on the moon, which is kind of nuts when you think that our technology's only increased, but we've sent fewer and fewer people to step on the moon. And we ended the shuttle program, which as of right now was still the only way to get people to the moon. It's not like Musk or... Bezos have yet to have one of their things land on the moon yet. So literally, if for some reason that somebody had to land on the moon right now, I don't think American technology could get there in time. I mean, it's it's just crazy how you just let something like that space shuttle program uh, rot and um, and not realizing that the future of our species is going to have to be space exploration because the sun eventually is going to get wider and wider um, as it ages, um, engulfing the closer planets. I was just watching this somewhere and um, eventually we're going to have to move to the outer planets and eventually the sun's going to explode and we're going to have to move to other galaxies. But again, that might not be for billions of years, but every generation has to stand on the shoulders of the previous one and to let, to ever lose something that a previous generation had for lack of technology, which has been expanding at such a crazy rate is just quite unfortunate, but hopefully people are working on things that, uh, ways to get back there soon so you know when you think about these astronauts and 
what they were doing at the time. This was unexplored territory, right? You know, mm-hmm. the the if the test pilots of jets were, you know, wild cowboys, astronauts were crazy cowboys. I mean, well, a lot of them were went from that to that. You, a right. lot of astronauts were former test pilots. It was like, let's take it up a notch. Right. Let's go to the moon. Let's go to space, and then let's go to to the moon, and let's land on the moon, and then let's come home. And so, you know, they were they were. I mean, talk about taking a risk and and a jump into the unknown. And so, you know, I'm sure for for uh, for Buzz Aldrin to be told that was all fake. You you know there was there's a bravery to it then the the way astronauts were perceived was you know and they were celebrities and there's a reason for that because what they were doing was unbelievable so happy ninety second birthday Buzz Aldrin we uh, we appreciate what you did and the risks you took and hope it was all worth it we salute you um, now we move on from history on the state of politics um, so. Um, January 20th, very famous day in U.S. history because um, 85 years ago, the first inauguration was held on January 20th. Previously, it was on March 4th, um, and then they moved it. It was just too much of a long period of time of a lame duck because the election is always the first Tuesday after the first Monday in November to wait all the way until March. Um, It was just too long of a period, so they moved up election day to January 20th. So 85 years ago, FDR for his second tor- term got sworn in on January 20th. Also easier to get done when it was the same president staying in power. So it was also probably one of the easier ones to switch to have that less time because it wasn't like a new administration was taking over. Um, and uh, so that was put into effect. And it's exactly 61 years since 1961 in which John F. Kennedy um, gave his first inauguration address, asking the famous words, ask not what you can do for your country, ask what your country can do for you. I wanted to see if you count that. I purposely said that backwards. Um, nice. Ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Um, and if you put that down to the community level, there are a lot of people who hopefully should be listening to this podcast to realize that it should be ask what you can do for your community, not what your community can do for you. Um, in um, at work, I'm not going to name names, but <laughs> we should send this out to many people in our community. So at at work, um, we do this video series uh, interview with our portfolio companies, and one of the questions we asked the founders that we're interviewing is, "What does community mean to you?" And one of them said, "Community is all about." being a part of a group of people that are all investing and putting in with zero expectation of what they get out of it. Now he, he says like, obviously they get something out of it. Yeah. Right? You, yeah. You nobody nobody does anything to not have any benefit from something. But you, you, what every, every single thing you put in, you put in without an expectation of getting anything in return. Or, or not being disappointed if you don't literally get... You can't be you... disappointed if you don't have an expectation. Correct. Well, I mean, yes, correct. Any th- right, if you have no expectation, you, you're hopeful for something, but not expecting it. You're hoping that it benefits you, but it's not expecting it to benefit you. You're doing it for the, the greater good. Yeah, um, it's interesting that Kennedy said that at that time. 
because we idealized that time, but there was a need to say it. It's yeah, not like it's, it was well, the fifties was a very well. The fifties was a very much. I mean, it was. I mean, people's. Um, I mean, living skyrocketed. Um, everybody had televisions. People were were kind of starting to form in their own niches rather than um, look outward. They were looking more inward because people were having this expansion of wealth and they were using mm-hmm. it mostly on themselves. And I think that his thing was, how do we grow America um, rather than kind of have all this newfound wealth be inward, take it outward. Um as well as the fact you had communism and just trying to also that sense of nationalism of do something for your country um, because your country's done so much for you. Mm-hmm. The freedoms we had versus the freedoms in other places at the time. Yep. Um, it's also 41 years since Reagan's first inauguration and the 41st anniversary of Iran releasing the hostage um, sausages that they were held. Um, it is not coincidence that it was Reagan's inauguration and the end of Jimmy Carter um, that they released them just because Jimmy Carter was pretty um, ineffectual and literally um, they had no fear with Reagan. They literally was more of uh, the stick versus the carrot. And um, I highly recommend the movie Argo to show a little bit about what those people went through as well as mostly how the rescuers kind of got them out of Iran. It's a great story. And I think it won the Oscar actually, Argo. Um, and uh, highly recommend that as a movie if you haven't seen it. So that is 41 years ago. Any- also uh, yeah. worth mentioning that the Reagan Foundation has an incredible YouTube channel. And um, they just have a collection of comments and speeches from Ronald Reagan and it's nice to watch because you're like ah a time when American presidents weren't buffoons and uh, and uh, you know were, were more uh, valued and purpose driven yeah and just charismatic <laughs> True. Um, um, it's also again because it's Again, Inauguration Day, 33 years since HW, 29 years since Clinton's first, 25 years since Clinton's second, 21 years since W, which is kind of crazy because so, I mean, it's over 20 years since September 11th, uh, 13 years since Obama, five years since Trump. I bring up Trump because I literally got a text today. It has been five years since Donald Trump has been president. Are you going to send your support and donate money towards the Trump campaign? I mean... He's still raising money now after he lost an election that he claims he didn't lose. And people still buy that he didn't lose it fairly. He's fundraising off of that, fundraising off the fifth year anniversary. And he isn't even sure if he's going to run again. So all that money, he could, I think he can literally keep or give out to whoever, I mean, like, get wherever he wants, spend it on whatever, on his personal transportation. On It's... People giving Donald Trump money. The guy is a billionaire and you are sending him money for what purpose? Because you're upset with how things are fine. But like the only thing that can change that is a vote. Sending Trump money is not accomplishing anything. So I I feel bad for all these people who are so far, either left or right. I get Nancy Pelosi emails also like, please send us your $18. Send us your $100. Like, 
none of you people need our money and it's literally three years until the next presidential election. <sighs> they really need a clean, clean up campaign funding laws in this country. It's a joke. Yeah. It's literally. And it's one year since, oh, Biden's inauguration. And the best is, um, I sent you a meme that apparently Tom Hanks is um, doing a video for the Biden administration, everything they've accomplished in a year. And apparently the Simpsons literally had, as part of an episode, them using Tom Hanks because the government had no credibility, so they're using some of his. And literally, <laughs> the Simpsons has predicted they had Trump going down the escalator. They, the Simpsons has predicted so many things. I mean, I'm sure they've missed a lot also, but it's it's a little sad or Matt uh, Groening, I think his name is, maybe a time traveler, one of the two. So, um, you know... It's so amazing that that they've been able to do this so many times. Um, but I also, I say this sort of, I, this is almost too broad, but the truth is it's almost that anything that happens, if you can't reference a Simpsons like episode or quote directly, um, yeah, but these are not like, worth mentioning. Yeah, but these are like, I mean, they've also, they've, Simpsons have had so many episodes over the years. But still, like, it's a little on the nose how many times they've been on the nose. It's pretty impressive. Because, um, again, you've got tons and tons of SNL episodes over the years and um, other shows, too. And, it, I mean, I mean that's more satire on current events, not predicting future events. Exactly. But it's But it's, it's still insane. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And um, I, I referenced The Simpsons in two different conversations today. So... Um, they really do cover every single topic and they also do it in a way that's way deeper than most other, most other shows do. So um, that's probably a part of it also. Cause they, that means they're actually thinking through like a scenario of like, well, what, what would happen if blah, 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 right? What would happen if the U S government lost all credibility? Yeah. The writers uh, of all- the Simpsons must be one of the most fascinating places in the world to work at. Conan O'Brien talks about it because he was a writer for uh, for a while at The Simpsons, and, and then um, and then at SNL too. Yep, yep, that's right. And um, yeah, he talks about how it's like some of like the best memories and experiences of his life. Um, so it's uh, it's pretty funny. Um, the he, other the other thing yeah. is just is it obviously it's not a coincidence, but like. The fact that the hostages were released on the day of his inauguration. Well, it was also, I think, a message that they wanted to try to. They knew Reagan was coming in. I think it was a, a goodwill offering. Please don't evade Iran. Right. Here, take your hostages back. Yeah. So, but, it, and it also just shows that there is like control and command in yeah, all these that, situations. That, that literally having a strong leader makes a difference. I mean, on the Iranian side, right? That there's enough control and command in place there that, like, even in these places where well, it looks like it's these extremists and it's a lot of chaos. Yeah, but it was that was only a year in the. I mean, that was literally a year into the Ayatollah. I mean, yeah, it's. I, I'd say there might be control to the extremists back then, but uh, people typically, if we've seen in American politics, it seems like extreme only keeps going one direction. So, um, and again, like. Um, it's it, it'll 
it'll be interesting to see what ends up happening with Iran currently. I mean, here we are 41 years later, still dealing with issues with Iran. It's, it's yep. insane. Um, moving on, because we could, we could, again, deep dive into a lot of this stuff, but um, and yeah, some of our viewers would like us to do more of a deep dive, but a lot of topics to get to just because today was such a crazy day in history. Happy 50th birthday to Nikki Haley. So um, former UN U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, former South Carolina governor, consensus top three or four front runner for the 2024 Republican nomination. Um, and, um, and honestly, the only, I mean, Christy Noam a little bit is having a moment, but really probably the most famous Republican woman currently um, in politics who's likely to run. A lot of people think that she might be Trump's vice presidential pick in 24 if he decides to run again. Um, and even if not, she'll probably run for president. And you'd be out of your mind if, let's say, Rubio or Ted Cruz or, or DeSantis in Florida get that nomination and not take her as their VP because she is so well-liked. She adds a feminine touch to the ticket. And, um, and, I, and again, I think it would. Um, she's very strong in her own right and has really done a good job of not angering either the Republican far right or the Republican moderates. And I think she's, it's a tough line to toe and she's done it pretty well. Does she get along with Lindsey Graham? Yeah, very well, I think. So it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm such a fan of hers and I think there's so much that she brings from a qualitative perspective. It's amazing she's and only 50. She's only 50 um, to sort of... Not because she yeah. looks old, by the way, if you're listening, Nikki. It's not because of that, just because you've accomplished so much. It's amazing you're only 50, so keep going. Yeah, but um, she's so smart, she's so balanced, and she has good enough experience, right, being the governor of, albeit a small state, and um, I think the population of South Carolina is 5.1 million. So yeah, it's a pretty small. State but from but that it, but it, but it's a bigger. But it, they do a strong GDP because you got a lot of tourist stuff there. They 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 punch above their weight for what their population is, though. Awesome. Um, but she was the governor there, awesome. so she was essentially the president of the state, which Correct. is a you know pretty awesome experience. You know the way she handled herself uh, at the UN uh, was quite impressive, and she always. I mean that you know she was. A, very obvious friend of Israel uh, at the UN, which you know is is great. But just overall, the way she she handled herself, and uh, both from a political and and you know being strong when necessary, but also politicking when necessary. Um, you know, so I yeah, I would love to see her as the first, uh, well, or just as the president of the United States, whether she's the first female president or not. No, um, I hope she's the first female young. president or not because the other. Uh... The other potential female candidates, not because they're female, but just because I'm not thrilled, thrilled with their policies, um, I, I actually hope she is the first female president and it's not somebody before her because the politics of the other leading female candidates in politics are not something I want as my, as my chief of staff, uh, as my chief of, of the United States. For sure. Commander-in-chief. Commander-in-chief. But And my only concern of having her as vice president to Trump 
is is that association potentially going to uh, be but held after, against her or work against her in some way? Yeah, but after four years, she's like, because again, Trump can't spend more than four years in office. She then becomes the consensus front yep. runner to take over for him um, as the next one. And again, I, uh, my feelings on Trump are, I'm not going to get into them on this podcast, but I will say with a strong recovering economy, if the Republicans have a strong economy from 24 to 28 and literally even if they're tired of his nonsense knowing that Haley is behind him um, yeah that could be something that would be really really strong for her in her career so but also just remember the role of the vice president of the United States is to support the president of the United States and yes that's this, it no matter what he tweets says or does and, and including as a... including as Mike Pence tried <laughs> to do, uh, or he wanted Mike Pence to do, um, overturn the election results in the Senate, which he's like, I literally can't do that. And then Trump turned on him like uh, like uh, Benedict yeah. Arnold on the United States. <laughs> well, you mean like we talked about on our previous podcast? Exactly. Um, There's a reference for those who subscribe. If you missed it, you can hear our analysis of Benedict Arnold and its implications uh, nationally and globally. So the only thing that, and so to that same note, like the other part is to be well. I guess they're they're the uh, the the tie breaking vote uh, in the Senate. Is that right? Yes, they are. And then so, but then the other like the other scary thing was like you know when Biden was first elected, you were like, okay, well really scary and there were all these people saying like oh it's just people trying to puppeteer him in for Kamala Harris to take over um, but now it's actually seeing Kamala Harris as vice president um, it's actually really scary to think that in, from a chain of command perspective if God forbid something were to happen to Joe Biden to President Biden to have her step in like that's a petrifying scenario to me now. that's why you don't have to worry about any Republican going after him there was brilliant life and job security for these four years by picking her because God, as, as much as but she's just, worse than I thought she would be. Oh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I, I, I she had no I, qualifications. She was a Senator I, from five minutes from California. I understand that, but I, it's still, I was like, Oh, well maybe, maybe she, I thought she was like some sort of mastermind or something. Oh, I'm like, oh my dude, God, no. you, you give some of these politicians way too much credit. Yeah. I mean, Ted, who I've gotten to know very well, is extremely intelligent, Senator Cruz. And, and like, even he gets called out for calling things terrorist attacks. Like, seriously? And he's like, and it's not a political misstep. I mean, he called it out for what it is, but the party's so far right that, like, he gets called out for calling it a terrorist attack on January 6th. Like, it's insane. And he's one of the smartest people in the room. So, to think that anybody is capable of masterminding, especially if they don't even have Ted's intellect, I think is giving some of these senators way too much credit. No. Oh, I just lost you. Oh, there you are. Yeah, no, I agree. But either way, happy birthday, Nikki Haley. We look forward to seeing you as president. And yeah, um, yeah I guess, I mean, even as vice president with Trump, I, I guess it wouldn't be the worst thing Um but it would be no. it would be great to see her as president one day. 
Um, moving on to random, I actually hadn't listed this yet, and we I still have two other topics, but I just literally saw this come up, um, and I think this is very appropriate. Um, the Miami police chief, who used to be Houston's former police chief, Art Acevedo, um, was literally filed a federal lawsuit Wednesday against the city's government and four city officials, accusing them of firing him for being a whistleblower and exposing wrongdoing by officials. So literally, he names the Miami city mayor and three city commissioners, and he literally just took over in April of 21, and they already fired him, and he's accusing them um, of attempting to get the police department to investigate their political enemies, is what he wanted the police to do, and interfering in his internal affairs investigation of an officer serving on the city's security detail. Literally, this guy tried to go into Miami, clean it up. They fired him because he was actually doing his job and trying to expose corruption, and hopefully he will be successful in city court. But Miami, if you don't think that there's still corrupt politicians left in the United States, go to Miami. I mean, because... They've all moved to Miami. (laughs) I mean, literally, I don't know, like, I assume he... Because Houston is such actually a well-run city, um, and a not a corrupt city. He thought by going to Miami, he could like do the same thing over there and do all that, not realizing that there'd be a lot of pushback from that. So, I mean, poor guy literally probably could have been, if he had stayed here, been our next mayor after Sylvester Turner, if he wanted it, because he was so well-liked here in Houston by a majority of people. Again, it, it wasn't perfect. He had his share of detractors here too, but on the whole, he was very popular, and now he's been fired in Miami. He's got a federal lawsuit, and and his career is stained because he tried going after um, um, city commissioners and the city manager, which is it's just crazy. So he's a person. I mean, he's a whistleblower, just, and they literally fired him for it. I mean, so let's just say if he's somewhat of. A, idealist and he actually tried to implement and pursue his ideals in a fairly legitimate way and it just goes to show you how that didn't work it was like when bobby kennedy went after the mob and they killed his brother wow um it's it's listen people pay either the political price as jfk did with his life because i'm convinced everybody out there that the mob killed kennedy we can discuss that if you want. You're happy to reach out to me. You've listened to the podcast. Happy to go into my ideas as to why. I think we might have even done that once on this podcast. But uh, we've done so many of these by now that who remembers what we've talked about? Um, but, uh, but yeah, it, it really shows you that idealism can be a very, very dangerous thing to your career and even your life. It's more career now than life. Like, they probably, if this was, like, 50, 60 years ago, rather than get him fired, they probably would have just killed him. Um, but that's not fashionable in 2022. And you'll go to jail for killing him. Firing somebody, you get maybe a federal lawsuit, and good luck proving proving that it was because he was a whistleblower rather than they just claimed he wasn't good at his job. So it's, it's a very tough thing to prove. So, Well, by the way, that's why when they when they go and they... they could, when they go and they pull emails and all of a sudden you see emails from like officials saying things like we should fire him. He's blowing the whistle on all this and like emails clearly dated through like, come like the city email system. Like when that, ha- if that happens, like I always just, I find that so entertaining. Cause I'm like, yeah, I think people... they're, they're probably smart enough, although they may not be to, if they're doing it to do it either in person, not even on the phone. Cause it can even be wired on the phone. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, they may think like Tony Soprano and good luck catching them, or they may be idiots and you might find emails saying we need to get him fired because he's a whistleblower. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, it could go one like way or the other. They can find nothing. Things. They can find nothing or find everything. But it happens. Like my point yeah, is, it's either like, one, it's, both happen. Yeah. So yeah. it'll be interesting where that case goes. Something for people here in Houston that might be interested to keep an eye on, and for people who live in Miami because your city is corrupt. Um, yeah. According to him, I don't want any trouble. Um, <laughs> um, and we get into our last two randoms. Um, there were parents arrested for leaving their 11 year old home alone. Okay, so I was like, when I first read it, like, ah, what's the big deal? 11 is not that young, so maybe they left him for a night. They left him for weeks out of time to go out of town, an 11 year old. Um, it's literally like the movie Home Alone with horrible monsters for parents. And then hopefully the happy ending at the end is the police arresting them and putting them in jail. I mean, it's just a really, um, and like a great person comes and adopts them. Um, I think this is like halfway between, um, um, uh, what's the movie? Uh, Angels in the Outfield and Home Alone. It's kind of like a cross between the two. Um, but yeah, so if you ever feel like you're doing a horrible job, parents out there, at least you didn't leave your 11-year-old home for weeks. And Joe... Speaking to somebody that's about to have an 11-year-old, can you imagine leaving your daughter home by herself for weeks at a time? No. No, absolutely not. I mean, the... Like, would she... You think she... Like, how long do you think she could be, like, okay on her own for, like, if you guys went out of town? Like, a day or two, Max? Like, well, not, okay, so... not, what's, not what's okay. How long do you think she'll be okay for before, like, she starts having a nervous breakdown, calls the police... Needs help from somebody for something. So, first of all, in the uh, license exam for becoming a parent, it clearly states that, oh, wait, no, there's no license exam for becoming a parent. But she would last probably 30 minutes. 30 minutes? Yeah. No. She doesn't like when I go to walk Doug. And isn't your wife in the house when that happens? If Tanya's asleep, and well, I will okay. be like, fine. So let's let's go with maybe a different eleven-year-old because there are eleven. I mean, I, when I was eleven, I was fine being in the house for a few hours by myself. Hell, yeah. when I was eleven, I would f- try to fly on a, as an unaccompanied minor because I didn't want to wait till the end of the plane, and I knew how to navigate airports. Yep, same. So I I think maybe us as eleven is different than your eleven, but still, I could have lasted maybe a day. Tried to call for pizza, but I mean, um, that was even before the kosher restaurants you delivered. So uh, it would have it would have been something, um, but yeah, kind of nuts. Yeah, no, and it's totally bonkers. And the fact that they thought it was okay or it was a good idea. Um, the other part of it also is, is that I know if we left her here, she would be in the middle of her community, so she would probably just walk across the street to our neighbors uh-huh. and be like. Uh, can I stay with you guys for a few weeks until my parents come back from their vacation? <laughs> yeah, who knows where I, I, I got to read that whole story, but I recommend Googling 11 year old home alone for weeks. Seriously. Not the holiday feel good story. Um, and then in Spokane, Washington, a man killed his wife with poison ice cream. <laughs> he put hydrocode on. He got 25 years in prison. Okay. As crazy and awful as that is, that's not even the capper. The capper to all this is that his daughter still thinks her dad is innocent. 
that her mom must have accidentally taken three hydrocodons or did it. I don't know. The mother's sisters are like, thank God he's going to jail. He killed our sister. The daughter's like, I still think my dad is innocent. I can't imagine him killing my mother. Um, <laughs> um, the jury had no problem with it, um, but still the daughter thinks he's innocent. So um, another Google Spokane, Washington man kills himself. Kills, sorry, kills his wife with ice cream. So um, make sure when you eat ice cream at home, guys, after you open it once, throw it out. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The seal has been broken. Throw it out. So crazy. Um... Apparently, like, he was trying to have an affair with other women also. Apparently, Rick came forward and be like, yeah, he was hitting on me. But I said I wasn't interested in him because he was married. And I think that might have been why he killed his wife. I'm like, there's something called a divorce, my friend. Um, if you really don't want to be married anymore to your wife, you don't have to kill the person. Like, even the Catholic Church is like, don't kill him. We don't know if you can divorce him. We'll annul it. <laughs> yeah. No, the... Uh... The thing that is uh, reassuring is the daughter's loyalty to her dad. You're reassured by that? It's more like, (laughs) I mean, dads can do no wrong in their their daughter's eyes. Even after they (laughs) kill their mother. Well, he he obviously doesn't think that he did that. No, I think she. My guess is if she actually thought that he did it, she would probably feel differently towards him. But she actually just in her mind, it's it's unfathomable that father would do such a thing yeah and i mean we all put people on pedestals but there are horrible people out there there are people that have momentary lapses of judgment and then do horrible things i don't know which one of those two this guy qualifies under but um it's like people are still committing like every time somebody murders another person there's actually a human being doing that we don't have robots just going out there murdering people these are living, breathing people, and obviously humans, as we talked about the Von Say conference, are capable of killing millions, um, so it's not crazy that they would kill they would kill somebody close to them. So, I mean, it, it's um, it's and, interesting to think that he, like to your point, I think you're, you're like, okay, like you clearly don't are not, you know, a fan of this lady then just leave her. Yeah, go out on your own. Like, why? I don't know. Yeah, Um, and a lot of people have mental. I mean, the amount of mental issues in this country. Who knows if this guy's mentally stable or not? Um, But they were married a very long time. So, um, by the way, if there was any mental instability, then he wouldn't be. Then he could have used that. This was. Yeah, and and yeah. So, um, that is our two random stories for the week. Um, by the way, if anybody loves random news, FARC, F-A-R-K dot com, tons of random news stories. I totally forgot about it. Like I used to read it all the time. Like I think when I was single and before I had a wife and kids to occupy most of my time, I think I was on that website a lot because some of these news stories on there are incredible and insane. Um, and you find all this weird news out there that might get left behind from the mainstream media. Cases like the man who poisoned his wife with ice cream and the parents who left their kids home, a kid home alone at 11 for weeks at a time. Oh so, my gosh, they haven't changed the layout. Yeah, it's the I same layout. I remember this website. Yeah. Um, so 
Welcome back. And we are at 40 seconds. I think this was a great podcast. We are ending it officially, not with a PSA at the end. That our (laughs) lives got too busy. Sorry, (laughs) viewers. So please share this one again with your friends and family because much better podcast than the last one. Season 2, Episode 2, January 20th, 2022. Mr. Levenstein, I bid you a good night. Good night, Mr. Mithner. And don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe. Good night and good luck, everyone.